This is Around the League from UGASports.com. I'm Dane Young. That's Jim Donnan, the former Georgia head coach in the College Football Hall of Famer. And we have Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus. This is the weekly show where we talk about what's going on in the SEC. We are brought to you by Connor Grading and Landscaping based out of Monroe, Georgia. And if you want your yard looking perfect, this is the time of year to do it. You're going to be spending much more time outside as we get to this stretch of the football season heading into into the winter this is a great time for some grilling out in your backyard or if you want to get those chairs out in the front have your kids and your dog playing in the front yard coach every time i drive into your neighborhood i'm seeing more and more people walking their dogs and if people want their yards to look like uh the, the envy of the neighborhood they need to be calling connor grading and landscaping exactly exactly uh i don't have a dog to walk but uh certainly that's a big deal around us to have a group that walks their dogs certain time of day and they just kind of solve all the world's problems the dogs don't realize that they're just out there to be walked but it's fun to see them and and certainly we appreciate everything connor does helping us with the show and getting a lot of good comments about it i mean i'm not out in public like you guys are much but i know um i mentioned to dane today i was over at uh, one of my favorite places at shane todd's chick-fil-a and this guy came up to me and said coach i like watching your shows and i said well I appreciate it. I said, are you watching that around the league show? He said, yeah, I really like that. That's a little different. Said, tells me about the others, other things that are going on. And uh, at least we know we got one guy listening to us. So it was nice. <laughs> Brett, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Mike Connor and then we'll get into the show. I I've never asked you how you got connected with him. I uh, actually, it's just, I was in a pinch. I, I had a landscaper lined up uh, when we were finishing our house and it wasn't working out. I searched quickly for whoever was nearest by and local. And he ended up being the one who answered and called me back and was able to help out uh, that really the next, I think two days later after I talked to him. And if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have been able to move in our house and get our CO on time because there was a ton of rain right after that. So he beyond uh, saved me and has done uh, all kinds of work uh, for me in the, in the past. I mean, that's, that's the kind of service you get from Connor Grading and Landscaping, and we appreciate them for sponsoring Around the League every week this season. Uh, big thanks to them. Guys, let's start with the trio of noon games. Uh, we just saw the Auburn Tigers play at, right. uh, against Georgia, and that may have been Brian Harrison calling. to just, just, No, it wasn't Brian. Uh, I thought he might want to talk about that timeout situation at the end of the game. Yeah, I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> Auburn more. playing at number – it was Sam Pittman. That's who it was. Auburn's playing at number 17, Arkansas. And uh, <laughs> Sam Pittman's calling to see what Coach Donovan would do against the Tigers based on what he saw. Brent, when you look at Arkansas, just a really heartbreaking loss to Ole Miss. Uh, no defense in that game. Do either of these teams find defense, Auburn and Arkansas? Uh, I think which, whichever one finds defense in this game is going to win. But when you think about Arkansas, what a difference a week makes. They go from the highest rushing totals to 28, and, and K.J. Jefferson has his worst passing grade of his career to his highest passing grade of his career uh, against Ole Miss, and three guys over 85 yards rushing uh, against Ole Miss. So I think you're right. Whichever teams find defense uh, in this game uh, wins, and – you know, actually, when you think about Auburn and, and the Georgia-Auburn game, Bo Nix played well. I mean, his, his adjusted completion percentage was 84.4%. I think it was close to the highest of his career. Yeah, a ton of drops. He just had drops. Mm -hmm. He just had all kinds of drops. He was putting the ball in, in, in where it needed to be and played pretty solid against, uh, obviously, the best defense in the nation. But, 
you know, if Auburn can catch the ball and then actually get some pressure because they had zero, zero pressure uh, on Stetson Bennett uh, for the for the entirety, basically, of that game. Uh, either which, whichever one does that and finds some defense, I think that's who's going to come out victories. Yeah, I mean, if Auburn gets any pass rush, it'll be the first time uh, in Glenn, in Derek Mason's career. I mean, that's not something they play that soft back there and try to cover everybody up. And, uh, you know, it was just a case of us taking advantage of some big plays uh, against them. But I think uh, on the road, this Auburn team's going to have a hard time. Everybody wants to get behind that Arkansas team. You know, they've had a tough road to hoe in the fact that they – had two big home wins, uh, you know, well, it was uh, the one win against A&M was kind of neutral site, but I think the friendly confines, the Razorback Stadium going to really help them. I think the fact that they got everybody wanting to be behind that team and finally got a winning team, and I think they'll just uh, play together. And they got the kind of team that can really hurt th this uh, uh, Auburn defense with the running quarterback and good good outside area way they can threaten the field with their deep balls. So I really think this is going to be a big win for, I'm going to go on a limb like you did for Ole Miss against Alabama. I'm, I'm going to say that uh, the Razorbacks are going to get after them pretty good. Did you like that they went for two at the end coach? Yeah, I really liked it. I thought the play itself was among the worst I've ever seen as far as the way they tried to operated particularly the way they had thrown the ball on the goal line prior to that with some different kind of routes but this looked like if they just uh you know orchestrated it uh drew it in the dirt i mean it didn't, didn't look very good compared to all the stuff they did in the red area that whole game and you know you got the 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 element of a lot of pressure and all that but uh if you're going to make a decision to go for two i know when we played in the national championship game a couple times uh, we practiced two point plays in uh, an inordinate amount of time telling our kids, look, this play right here is going to decide a lot what happens with your career and our program the rest of your life. So this is the best way we're going to do it. And this is what we're going to, uh, that's what we're going to be able to run. And we feel good about it. And it worked for us several times during the year that wasn't necessarily for a national championship, but I think, just the fact it was so frantic looking. I mean, he just kind of had to throw it up in the air, you know, as compared to a guy that really can get on the edge and, you know, make something happen. It was just uh, the only way I can describe it is I can't say horse. I can say horse manure. It was a horse manure two-point play. <laughs> I applaud the coach for Sam Pittman. Hey, you're on the road. You got a chance to win or lose it. If you'd been eating a pregame meal that morning, you'd have said, hey, we can have one play, we'll win or lose it, he would have taken it. So just uh, – and, you know, the thing that's just killing their team, though, is Barry Odom's supposed to be this defensive guru and everything. The last two weeks, they looked like they hadn't even practiced on defense. And you, you got to think that they knew after what Georgia did to them, they'd make some kind of adjustment. But they had guys running down the field with blinker lights on them throughout the game, just very poorly – a structured defense that day. I, I mean, at least against us, they had some guys close, but they had uh, a lot of bad looking plays. Didn't you think Brent? Very much so. And, and we'll talk about it when we get to Ole Miss, but they just ran up and down the field on them. Which two point play was worse? Arkansas against Ole Miss or Florida's against Alabama a few weeks ago? I liked, I like basically Florida's a little bit because they, if it had given the ball to him a little quicker, he'd have probably made it. You know, he, he held on to it and 
and it made the guy, you know, didn't get his first cut on it. But it was a, it was a play where you can, you know, you're reading the defense and you got to give it to him quick if you're going to let him have it. So at least you got to either or there with the quarterback. But this one was just the trajectory of which he sprinted out. It looked like he was running toward his own bench instead of running sideways. It was just a very poorly, very, I mean, I don't, I already said what I thought about it. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of the Gators, the number 20 ranked Florida team playing at noon Eastern 11 central at death Valley and death Valley may refer to LSU as much as anybody right now with uh, players going out left and right to uh, two top corners out for the year. Uh, Kayshawn Butte, probably the best receiver in the conference, maybe in the country out for the year. Uh, the offensive line has already been rough. Brent LSU, I don't know if they get – I mean, we were texting about it earlier. Where's a win in, in the regular season in the conference for them? I, it, this might be it. I mean, this legit might be their last shot to get that win. And, by the way, when has this game ever been at noon? I don't ever remember 11 local time, yeah. Being, you know, noon Eastern, 11 local time. I, I mean, this is always a 3.30 or a night game kind of deal, no matter how bad the teams are. But, you know, that just kind of goes to show where LSU is right now. But like you said, no Ricks, no Stingley, no Butte. Like it's it's a hey, rally the troops and give all you got kind of game and, and play it close, or it's a you get run off the field and then then the hey, the chance for who's next, you know, in terms of the coaching part of it uh, becomes more louder by the day. Here's the thing about their defense. I mean, you watch them against Kentucky, it just seemed like they were everybody's trying to make a little bit of plays on their own. There really wasn't any structure to it. I mean, just a lot of plays that looked like they were out of their gap control and just uh, really, and that, a lot of times that happens when you're struggling and you're trying to win and they developed some kind of running game against Kentucky. I mean, they finally got, and they didn't get rushed quite as badly to protect Max Johnson, but uh, this team is really reeling, and I think playing early in the morning is probably going to help them because everybody's not going to have all that juice to be by that. I mean, alcohol to get you know get on Coach O quite as much if it was happening at night. And you know, the, if they could get off to a pretty good start and get that crowd behind them, I mean, they beat Florida last year with less players than they got now. I mean, Great you point. know, they really came in there and did a good job. So. They know how to beat them. They know what to do. I, I don't know if this new staff does, but uh, it's certainly of, of a team that's really hit the rocks and his own skid control is LSU right now. And I'd like for him to turn it around just because I know Max Johnson and his family. And but and I, and I like Coach O, but, you know, right now they're they're very reeling team. If there's a game in the SEC every year that you can throw out the record books and disregard what happened beforehand, it may be Florida LSU based off of, of recent years. If this game was in Gainesville, I may say it's it's a blowout, but I've seen Florida play to the level of its competition too frequently this season to think that it's just going to be an easy cakewalk, no matter how bad LSU is playing. Especially Good on point. the road. Good point. I mean – Might uh, get shoe part two. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, moving. Speaking of no defense, uh, Missouri hosting Texas A&M. The Aggies with a tough task after uh, playing Alabama so late at night at home, having to play at Missouri 11 o'clock local time, uh, noon Eastern. Is this a little bit of a hiccup game for A&M, Coach? I don't think it matters just because the emotion is going to carry over so much. Just got to be careful about everybody slapping them on the back all week and tell them how good they are, but uh... – 
you know, Missouri's defense is just not very challenging. And uh, Calzada now has seen that he's capable of doing some things when he gets protection. Uh, of uh, The one thing that was just incredulous throughout the game was the lack of pass rush for Alabama. I, the fact that Zach could get rid of the ball and, and not be even challenged. And then he had an out-of-body experience as far as throwing the ball consistency. The level of accuracy was unbelievable compared to the season itself. And I'm sure Mr. Stats over there will tell us about it in a minute. But re really, though, uh, this team is very capable right now running the table. Their schedule's such. They're confident. And they know the quarterbacks can play against the best teams in the country. Their defense is really getting a massive pass rush. They, I've never seen anybody rush the passer like, they did against Alabama. Now, you know, certainly you, you see a few sacks, but not not that many and not that many presses and hits. But uh, they, they got some really good defensive players. And kicking game-wise, I mean, you talk about night and day, you get a uh, punt block for a touchdown, and then the next play, the human rocket takes it 100-plus for a touchdown. Uh, just really changed that whole game around, uh, you know, momentum-wise. So, I like this A&M team. I liked them early in the year, but, you know, it's just hard for me to believe that they can go out to Denver, Colorado and play. Uh, they played that game in Denver, not in Boulder, and its score was 10-7 to 7 against one of the worst teams in the country, and then they beat the number one team in the country. And they scored 41, and you can say what you want to about Alabama and their uh, offense, but Alabama scored 38 points, and usually 38 points on the road should win for you. Like you said, Coach, that was a complete out-of-body experience for Calzada. If they get even 66% of what he gave them uh, in that game moving forward, they're going to, like you said, they're likely going to run the table. One of the things I saw one of the PFF folks tweet out earlier, highest graded uh, passing, passing grade versus Alabama in the last three years. Number three, Joe Burrow. Number two, Justin Fields. Numero uno, Zach Calzada. Wow. Uh, against against A and M, and what was amazing about it is, you know, typically when you see quarterbacks who get pressured, their passer rating drops on average about thirty to forty, thirty-five to forty points. His passer rating under pressure was near perfect. It was like one forty-seven. I mean, just it was his highest graded game ever. Like you can't say enough about how amazing he was. But but like Coach said, they are and we and we talked about this before the season started. They're supremely talented everywhere else. It was just if they got good, solid quarterback play, they were going to be a threat uh, in the West. But they didn't early. Uh, now if they can get get it consistently. And, by the way, it helps when you play a Missouri defense that just gave up 35 points to North Texas. Yeah, and how many did the week before to Southeast, Louisiana, Southeast Missouri? I mean, uh, this Missouri team, and that's the one thing that gives me a lot of hope with the Bulldogs playing Kentucky is – uh, Kentucky really struggled against Missouri. I mean, it, it was down to the wire. And they down the wire with Chattanooga and down the wire on their only road game they played with uh, South Carolina. So I think this Missouri team is really going to be, you know, in a lot of trouble in, in SEC East. I mean, they still got to play some really good teams. Uh, Florida, Georgia, uh, not to mention uh, this one this week. So that looks like three L's right there. And they've already got three. So. They're going to have a hard time getting a bowl game. 
We talk about the whole Very league, but so. we are based at ugasports.com. So I want to give a shout out to two former UGA <laughs> coach or staffer that get to celebrate with Texas A&M after last week. You have James Coley, who is Georgia's offensive coordinator, and then you have uh, Marshall Malchow. And uh, I'm missing one more coach, Nick. Nick Williams. Nick Williams. Yeah, we don't want to say a lot about Nick until he, you know, he left us in bad stead there. But uh, Marshall Malco, uh, what a play, what a good player personnel guy he is. Just uh, uh, he finally told me, pronounce my name Malco and not Malchow, just go, even though it sounds like that. But the thing about Coley that helped him in that game, I think, is he knows the, the nuances of Nick's defense having coached with Kirby. And they did some really good things against them. Uh, formation adjustments, playing, you know, double slot, but really tight double slot where they can run four vertical and make those safeties do some stuff. And then after they started to back up, hitting the backs out and uh, – the one thing that they did the other day that I applaud them with all year long, they've been waiting to one or two seconds on the 25 second clock. And that kid had a lot on his plate trying to, they came out with some tempo and they just said, Hey, this is our play, son. You run it and don't worry about doing anything, but executing. And I think it made a lot of difference in the way he played. Didn't you, uh, uh, Brent? Very much so. Very much so. And if you think about it, Nick Saban might regret uh, his little interview with, uh, Peyton and Eli on Monday Night Football where he talked about how much he hated tempo. So, <laughs> yeah, Well, he got some the other night. He did. I don't know that you'll be seeing a whole lot of tempo with Kentucky and Georgia, but I'll tell you that the tempo of the college football world will be descending upon Athens, and uh, it's already kind of beginning with college game day coming back for Myers Quad. You've got SEC Nation that will be out beside the Special Collections Library. Paul Feinbaum show will be there on Friday. Coach Donnan, you'll be a part of that, I understand, uh, which will be exciting. Right. So that's awesome good uh you know I, I do a little cameo with with paul every year we used to have a show that i would do 15 or 20 minutes uh, every friday when uh he was uh on radio in birmingham and so we got a good relationship and every time they do something here live he usually gets me on set to take care of a few things so we'll see how it goes but looking forward to talking to paul and uh certainly uh as far as this game is concerned, everybody's talking about Georgia's the best team in the country. They're going to run the table and all. I mean, this is a formidable team here. They got good physical offense and defensive line. They're well coached. They don't give up a lot of big plays. Uh, they've had trouble turning the ball over, but the last couple of weeks, they've done a better job protecting it. And fortunately for them, they finally can throw the ball effectively enough to really put some pressure on your defense where they're not just a run all the time type team. So, we're going to have to take care of business, no question about it. But, you know, the thing about our team that I like and uh, which I've tried to say to, to you guys and to uh, everybody, I mean, I should say y'all. I've been talking to a couple of national people today. I said you guys. But what I've been telling y'all about our team is everything's ahead of us. I mean, we got all these guys that hopefully going to start playing that haven't been, like Burton and Rosemey and, Coming back off of injury, Pickens maybe, uh, Gilbert, who knows? But, boy, you put all those guys in that lineup we got now, I mean, that's that's an influx of talent. And that's the thing about Kentucky. They've got a transfer left tackle, a transfer wide receiver in Wondell Robinson, and a transfer quarterback from Penn State. That You, you take those three off that team, they're very average. Those guys have really made an influx, haven't they, Brent? They have, and they've been great for them. Wondell Robinson is right behind Mr. Ladd McConkey in terms of power five highest graded receivers. But 
you know, coach, I was looking, so as I prep for the show, I look through and just get the schedule in terms of the, the games. And I also look through the FBS that's kind of down there. And I went, went all the way through those games. And guess how many games have a higher point spread than Georgia, Kentucky, a one versus 11 matchup? I wouldn't think any. One. Liberty is favored by 32 points in their game against, I think, ULM. Outside of that, the 23 points that I saw on, on, on the ticker there is the highest point spread in the nation uh, this week outside of that one game. And that's, you know, just goes to show how dominant Vegas feels that Georgia is. But this game to me is a survive and advance game. This is no, no matter what you got to do, obviously, whether you win at 17 to 10 or 14 to three, like last year, like you just survive this game advance because you know it's going to be physical. Now, we'll say Kentucky, they're missing two guys on the interior, McCall and Oxendine, that, that got a lot of snaps and played well, especially McCall uh, in the middle for them. Going to miss those guys. Georgia's dinged up. Hopefully, get some of those guys back, like coaches talk about, but you got Jamari Shawler who's dinged up, Chris Smith who's dinged up. You know, Tyke comes back a little bit now, but again, it's not like you're just fully just on a roll in terms of health. And this game is just that it's survived. But the, the biggest one for Kentucky, by the way, to me is Ali, the, uh, the, the other receiver. Him not being able to play takes away, like Wanda Robinson has 53 targets. Ali had 25. The next highest guy had 11 targets. Who their second receiver is going to be when now you as a defense can put most all of your attention on one receiver, that, that's not going to bode well for Kentucky's offense. Here's the other thing, and you can say it all you want to, but this is why we'd have the show to listen to the old coach. When you've played five games at Kroger Field and played with all those Wildcat fans up there behind you, and three of them have gone down to the wire, and in all three of them you've made the plays necessary to win, that really builds your confidence. But all of a sudden, they're coming down to play the number one team in the country, as far as our fans are concerned, 92,000 of them. And they're going to be out for blood because they've been waiting for this for a long time. You think that that um, crowd was something for that Razorback game? Wait till this 330 game. I mean, it's going to be an unbelievable atmosphere and how Kentucky handles it, even though they're a poised team with a veteran quarterback and all that. It's going to be interesting to see uh, going against that kamikaze defense of ours and that crowd. I just think you, you don't have much experience on the road. They played South Carolina, one of the worst teams uh, in the league right now. It's pretty evident after the way they played against uh, uh, Tennessee last week. And they were fighting for their life to the last possession. They made a first down to keep South Carolina from getting the ball. So, um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a big plus. And I think maybe that's what Vegas is looking at. Georgia's covered every time this year, except maybe once. And I think certainly coaches don't look at that. But 23 is a lot of points. But when you take into fact that they're playing in Sanford Stadium and the defense is playing like that and, and Bennett's hitting those big plays and getting some of those receivers back, I mean, this team – uh, has every reason to feel like that the hardest part of the year is behind as far as personnel. Now, getting your players back is going to help not only your first team, but your depth. I mean, getting those guys back. We've had 15 players out of our top 44 miss at least one game. So you start getting some of these guys back in there, that's going to be huge. When Brent, you said it, 
two interior <laughs> defensive linemen out for Kentucky. To me, that says Van Pran, open the way and run behind. Uh, I think Georgia runs quite often and and for big plays in this game, probably more so than you've seen this year. And I think that's what Georgia's trying to do, get to the bye week, be as healthy as possible. And the ground game, kind of like it was against Arkansas, is probably the easiest path to get there. Yeah, I wish that number four, that defensive end, what's his name? I wish he had missed the bus. I mean, what's that? Pascal. Yeah, good. All right, so, Coach, here's an interesting number for you, though. So, Josh Pascal has played 46 career games in Kentucky. Three, so 43 against other teams, three against Georgia. He has 94 total quarterback pressures and 14 sacks in those 43 games. In the three games against Georgia, donut. Wow. Hey, that's unbelievable. And send that to me. I need to tell Kirby that this kid can't play against us. <laughs> <laughs> that's an unbelievable stat. That's why you watch around the league. I mean, baby, we need him to play. Right. You wonder if Kentucky looks at it and says, all right, let's give him a shot against Broderick Jones, the new guy. And maybe yes. maybe that's what you do if you're Kentucky and see if that changes. We'll, we'll find out together. You can uh, watch Georgia and Kentucky with us. We'll be on your second screen experience. We're out in Nebulsi, myself and Coach Donnan. Uh, we have the UGA Sports Watch Along Show right here on the same channel wherever you're watching us. Uh, and then you can sync us up on your second screen, have the, the game on your main screen, and get our commentary rather than the TV commentary. And uh, this week it's back to Gary Danielson because Aaron Murray and crew will be at the Auburn and Arkansas game uh the first of the cbs doubleheader uh we move on to vanderbilt and south carolina at four o'clock on the sec network uh, i don't know if bowl eligibility is in the future of either of these teams coach but this game would be a must win in in that effort for either yeah south carolina's got to have this one and find a way to beat auburn uh you know and beat uh missouri that's their best ticket to get in the six uh which would be unbelievable first year for beamer but uh, i think they're going to they should have better players at this point than uh, than Vanderbilt, but they haven't had a very good offense all year. I mean, I mean they ran uh, Jordan Birch on the halfback pass on the goal line one of their defensive linemen the other day, and I've run some funky plays in my life. I don't think I've ever won one of those. So, uh, but he threw it pretty good left-handed. The only problem he threw it to the wrong team. But uh, I, th I think this is going to be uh, you know a real pillow fight, and I, I would defer to my cohort up in uh, Massachusetts because certainly he's got some kind of lobster fist up there that he can talk about compared to what I would say about this game. So go ahead, Brent. Are you planning to watch uh, UMass I mean, while you're up there? Uh, no, I have you no interest. Like the Celtics are playing uh, a preseason game. I guess I could watch that or go to that. But uh, but no, that Vanderbilt to me is just looking to score. Because do you realize that I've now played two SEC games and I've gotten outscored 104 to zero? It's not very good. Two SEC. That's not good. South Carolina, they just take care of the ball. Five of their six games, they have at least one turnover. Four of the six games, they have at least two turnovers. Take care of the ball, and they'll get at least one of the those necessary wins. Yeah, you got to go with the home team here. They're playing at williams Bryce, and uh, uh, But I can say this. If they lose – if South Carolina loses that game to Vanderbilt – you're talking about a lot tougher road to hoe in recruiting because people are going to say, look, all that stuff you're talking about, new staff, all that stuff, you can't even beat Vanderbilt. So, I mean, and nothing with, nothing about Vanderbilt do I mean derogatory. It's just the fact what he just said, 104 to nothing. I mean, that says it all. 
You never want to be the team that plays Alabama after a loss, and that's exactly what Mississippi State is. 7 o'clock Eastern time, 6 Central on ESPN. Does Leach have any magic, Brent? Because I think you need it with an Alabama team coming off of that. You know, I was obviously looking at the, at the spreads of these games, and I saw that Alabama was favored. I was kind of curious about that because didn't Mississippi State beat Texas A&M, who then just beat Alabama? I mean, transitive property – Property Mississippi State should be favored, but no, yeah, they're they're not in a good spot. But you know, two two things actually you, know, you think about give them a chance. One, the quarterback play. Well, Rogers is playing well and playing at a high level, very accurate. And two, Alabama, like Coach said earlier, and this is something that I you know looked you know looked at the data and just to see Alabama's just not getting after the quarterback. They have depth, they have some guys, but that injury to to uh, Allen in the beginning of the year. Uh, really just hurt them on the edge. They have two guys who have double-digit pressures. After that, it's no one. They just don't have the difference makers that you're typically seeing, uh, that you typically see on the Alabama roster. Yes, they got had a lot of those guys back on defense, but they just aren't don't have true difference makers, at least on that side of the ball. Also, on the other side of the line of scrimmage, which is, by the way, so when have we ever talked much about Alabama in, in a line of scrimmage deficit? Def, deficit but Bryce Young is getting pressured, I think, on 37% of his dropbacks right now, something like that. It, it's he's and in that game against uh, against AM that was up near 40%. That they got to figure out the last scrimmage in a, in a quick way, or, or they're going to be uh, in trouble in some other games. Yeah, here's the thing about Bama that I think is pretty vivid here. You look at last year's team, all those guys that were drafted in the first round, almost all of them on offense. And same thing's true right now. Uh, there's not any defensive players there except Will Lewis that get your attention of being a first-round type player on their team. So they got to uh, do a better job of executing and you just can't rely on talent and uh, or lack of talent, whatever it might be, because they uh, they just have been – we talked about it after the Florida game, Brent, you and I on, on this show and uh, privately. They, they were out of position so much in that game couldn't get lined up and just gave up play after play. And in this last game, you got a guy like uh, Coley and uh, Daryl Dickey and coach uh, Jimbo that know what to do. And they just attacked the, the holes in that defense and really hurt them. And then they set up their whole game plan to attack their star, their safety man. They just worked hard on him with Wiedemeyer and, and these other guys on switch, what I call switch 999, where they run four vertical and just move them around. So I just think uh, Alabama is going to be in trouble against Will Lewis. I mean, against uh, Will Rogers without the pass rush that they need because he throws it so quickly. Anyhow, you can't. Uh, and they're not a team that likes to drop eight. That, that was what everybody hurt Mississippi State with last year. So I could see him throwing 75 passes Saturday and completing 60 of them. And they could still lose, you know, but that's their attack. That's what they do. But what I'd like to see out of this Alabama offense, though, is a little bit more suited toward running the ball with Robinson. I mean, you get the ball inside the five and got first and goal and you throw three passes, you got to give it to that big board daddy a couple times, I think. So, uh, but the bottom line, you scored 38 points on the road in front of 108,000 people, you should win. Uh, and Brent, one thing with, with Alabama's you, you were, you were up 38, 31 too. And, uh, and your defense couldn't hold them. And then you, 
got 38-38, and the defense couldn't hold them again. They kicked the field goal. That's it. Go ahead, Nate. <laughs> One of the things uh, I was saying about Alabama's running game is they don't have a consistent number two back right now. I mean, last year he had Najee and Robinson, and that that worked out really well. Robinson has, has stepped up and become the primary ball carrier with volume, but Brent, they don't have a regular guy that's getting yardage consistently behind them. No, they don't have that. They're not attacking down the field outside the numbers like what they normally have in the past with the receivers that they do. It, it's just it's kind of gone away from their offense. If you look at his uh, Bryce Young's throw distribution, and by the way. We've talked a lot sort of negatively about Alabama. They still got four straight home games and then at Auburn, they're still likely going to be 11 and one and sitting and, and going to the SEC oh, championship game. So, so you're not picking Mississippi State. You picked Ole Miss against them. They got a better schedule than we got. I mean, far as who we got to play. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we got an undefeated Kentucky team. Uh, they've already beaten Florida. We got to play Florida, uh, Tennessee. You know, is going to get after Alabama. I mean, the way they're running those fast plays, Alabama has a hard time with that. But they, they got to stop Alabama, too. So, it's just a disparity right now in college football. Except for Georgia, if we get our players back, there's just not a dominant team right now. And everybody's got a chance every week. I mean, you see a game like Oklahoma and Texas last week. Uh, I mean, not even get to overtime and, and a team scores, you know, they're scoring in the 40s, half the 40s. So, uh, just a lot of a lot of parity in college football right now. And you're getting ready to see the Big Ten East have a merry-go-round here. The next three weeks, it's going to be – Who's going to end up on top of that merry-go-round looking down at everybody else? I mean, not the merry-go-round, the uh, the uh, tilt-the-wheel or whatever you call it, but uh, Ferris wheel. So I just think uh, college football right now, the ne next six weeks going to be as much fun as we've ever had because it's going to be a complete up-and-down elevator-type schedule. Some 2007 vibes of this season for sure. And uh, Brent, you're oh, a West you Virginia. That up? Yeah, there's, you're you a West Virginia up? guy. I know that one stings a little They bit. had the oh, Pittsburgh game. Yeah, that was uh, Dave Wanstead made his whole career out of that game. <laughs> yeah, Rich Rod peed down his leg that game big time, unfortunately. Uh, final game in the SEC, and it could be one that sets a record for total plays with the pace of play. Uh, thir number 13 Ole Miss at Tennessee. This is a 7.30 Eastern time kick over on the SEC network. Both teams like to play fast, but Tennessee is a different level. Uh, Ole Miss gave up a lot of points, got one more than it needed last week, Coach. Yeah, I just think whoever can make some stops, maybe get a tip ball, get something going in the special teams, uh, you're going to see – a massive amount of points scored in this game. And, of course, everybody says, hey, every time you talk about a lot of points, then it never happens. But I just don't see either one of these defenses uh, doing a lot to stop these guys. Because, first of all, you got quarterbacks that know what they're doing. They can read the coverage. you got receivers that can run routes. you got backs that can break tackles. And uh, they know their system. And it's just going to be a free-for-all. And, then, of course, all, the, uh, all these Tennessee fans – been waiting. I mean, you talk about somebody, you know, nine month pregnancy. This is a, this is a program that's 13 months pregnant right now. The, these people have been waiting for this kind of situation and it's not fool's goal. I mean, they got a really good offense and got to give hype a lot of credit with the transfers he's brought in there and the way these kids have responded to adversity. 
I mean, just tremendous job. And the fans, I mean, they deserve it. They've been going through a lot of tough times here the last 15. I don't feel sorry for them now. Don't get me wrong there. <laughs> but uh, they – they they gonna be ready to rock here. It's, it's gonna be a tough stadium for them. For and then you add a coach that left them on the altar there after one year, that uh, had a press conference right there in his uh, office, and then left them for for Southern Cal. There's gonna be some bad hate there for that, and uh, you know, so crowd noise is gonna be even more uh, a situation. So uh, how do you feel about it, Brent? I mean, so two things. One, this game starts at 7.30. Will it finish before midnight? <laughs> I mean, there'll be so many plays. The clock will stop so much. Like, this game is going to take forever, it seems like. But, but two, the over-under is 82, Coach. Are you taking you taking – which one you taking? <laughs> you know, total, I'm, I'm going to say under just because you, every time you think you're going to score a lot of points, they don't. But 82 is a lot now. But, uh, That's a humongous number. Because I mean, when you look at it, Tennessee – Without the Florida game, 47 are they're averaging 47 points a game. And you know what's amazing though about Ole Miss? And you know, they're they're in a good spot now to possibly be an eleven and one team and saying, Hey, you know, maybe maybe we're hey, this is the same guy that happen. hey, this is the same guy last week was ready to get in a fetal position about Ole Miss. So come on, let's hear about it now. Well, they, they I mean they struggled obviously against Alabama, but the way their schedule sets up right now and the home games that they have, I mean, outside of the egg bowl. Uh, the, the craziness that is that, but you know, Hey, if they're 11 and one and everything else goes crazy, <laughs> could you get three sec teams in the playoff? Who knows? But anyway, oh, but, no, but you Kentucky, think about, Kentucky is that same argument, right? Kentucky's yes. path is pretty simple. I don't, after Georgia. Anybody, I don't, I don't know who's going to be Kentucky after us. Maybe Mississippi state. That's the only Where one I can see. Where do they Tennessee play them? Uh, I have to, I'll look that up. At, Brent's I think finishing. they play at Kentucky because uh, Kentucky actually beat, Tennessee last year up there with those intercepted passes, I think. Uh, it is at Kentucky. But, you know, what's interesting about Ole Miss is – and, Coach, I think maybe you could kind of appreciate this game. They kind of grinded out 52 points, if that's possible. Corral only had 21 passing attempts against Arkansas. They had 49 rushing attempts. Three different – you know, Corral had like 85, 90 yards, two of the guys over 100 yards. They – they took, like you said, they took what Georgia did against Arkansas and said, hey, all right, just go take the run game and go get eight yards and chunk after chunk after chunk in the run game. It wasn't like big play, big play, you know, quick scores. They grinded out that win. But you know, and for, I think they for, did that just so their defense wouldn't have to be on the field, don't you think? Oh, 100%. 100%. Uh, because especially with the way that game was going. Uh, but like you said, Coach, Tennessee is playing with a lot of confidence right now. Hinton Hooker. He has 13 touchdowns and one interception, which, though you look at it, he actually only has six big-time throws but and four turnover-worthy plays. So he's having a lot of things that he's just getting rid of the ball and people are making plays for him. Uh, but his what's amazing about Hooker is he has 26 missed tackles forced in 36 rushing attempts. He's making somebody miss almost every time he runs the ball, and that's a, like – this game is just going to be fun to watch with both quarterbacks that can throw and run and points and all the offense together. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, that's a lot of wiggle there. I didn't know Hooker had all that. I knew he was a good runner. And then Corral just runs over people. He dives into them. And this other thing could be injuries in a game like this. Uh, one of the quarterbacks could get knocked around a little bit. So, but I can't wait to watch it. I mean, I, if you'd have told me, 
last summer that I would be watching Tennessee and Ole Miss, I'd have said, hey, I'm not. <laughs> but I, I really I really want to watch Tennessee just so I have an idea about when we play them. I haven't watched them and studied them like you have, Brent, but they certainly got my attention. And I'll give you credit. Two weeks ago, you said the team that worried you the most was Georgia's schedule of the three teams we had to beat, you know, Florida, Kentucky, and Tennessee. You said Tennessee, and I can see why. Here's the remaining schedule for Ole Miss. It's Tennessee this week, uh, LSU at home on October 23rd, then at Auburn, uh, Liberty at home, which there's a quarterback battle for you. All right. So, oh, Hugh Freeze coming back. I yeah. mean, that's going to be amazing there. That'll be a – Send game day there. Yeah, we could, we could get some uh, phones in there for that game. <laughs> uh texas a&m at ole miss i think that's going to be the the one you circle if ole miss has a, a big battle to do what you're saying brent then vanderbilt at ole miss and then the egg bowl they got vandy they got oh. vandy coming to oxford <laughs> uh but with the egg bowl i don't it, it can be seven and five or seven and four mississippi state against you know, a 10 and one old miss that game, weird stuff happens. Exactly. exactly. I, I don't ever believe anything in the records in that one. And just since we're talking about it, Kentucky's remaining schedule is uh, Georgia this week at Mississippi state, Tennessee at home at Vandy, New Mexico state at home at Louisville. So Kentucky's got a much easier path. Yeah. They got New Mexico state. <laughs> they played New Mexico state. They played, uh, Chattanooga, who were the first two? They played like really poor teams. The first two, uh, it was Louisiana Monroe and Tennessee Martin. Good, gracious. no, Tennessee Martin was last year. Excuse me, it was Louisiana Monroe. Then they played Missouri. Seriously, I mean, I think Mitch Barnhart. I mean, he stoops to give him some of his salary. The AD. I mean, I, he's <laughs> taking care of him now. That's a pretty good schedule. How do you get to number eleven in the nation? Yeah, but you know, give him credit. I'm high on Kentucky team. I mean, just because one thing that always worried me about playing somebody was you've got to beat them. I mean, you know, and, and Brent made it perfectly clear. You got to go out there and you feel like you're better than them, but you got to go out there and do it. I mean, they're not going to give it to you. Well, this has been a good show, guys. I think it's going to be a fun week in the SEC. Uh, Coach, which of those three games at noon is your TV going to be on the most? Auburn, Arkansas, Florida, LSU, or A&M, Missouri? I know you'd like to watch Max, so it may be that one, right? Yeah, I don't really – I'm not going to be near as fired up as I was Oklahoma, Texas last week. So, I, I'm I'm more of uh, getting ready for our game at 3.30. But I, I'll watch Max. You're going to bounce it around a little bit. Brent? Hey, in Florida. Florida, you got Florida in two weeks. Yeah. And like Coach said, the, the college football landscape part, like this is all in the history of college football. This is one of those weekends. You only have one other top 25 matchup, which is Oklahoma State and Texas. Like this is one of those weekends where funky stuff happens and you have a couple you know, unranked teams beat some ranked teams. So, you know, everybody's got to be on the lookout and, and have their, you know, put their best foot forward every week. Just that's what the great, the great thing about the sport. We're trying to see who's going to be undefeated in November because that's when things get a lot of fun for the teams that are in it. Uh, we got to give a big shout out to Connor Grading and Landscaping based out of Monroe, Georgia, for sponsoring the Around the League podcast. We enjoy doing this every week of the season. We'll break down the SEC schedule, and we'll be back here next week to do the same thing. It'll be a bye week for Georgia, but we will continue. Uh, a lot of good things in the SEC. Thanks for watching Around the League from UGASports.com. <laughs>